you made up your mind, this is going to be the year that you make Bible reading a priority. But something happened within a few short days. The motivation is already waning. You just aren't as committed as you intended to be. Why is that? It might be because you've been going about Bible reading all wrong. It's time to go the second mile with Bible meditation. Hi, this is Travis Agnew with the Second Mile Podcast. The premise of this podcast is simple. Jesus taught that if someone asks you to go one mile, go the second mile as well. In the Second Mile Podcast, I want to equip you to do more than the bare minimum as you follow Jesus. Today, let's talk about the Bible. You know that ancient yet living and active document put together by none other than God Almighty? Yeah, He inspired it, and He expects us to study it. So why do we struggle with it so badly? The most important being with the most important messages to us, and yet we struggle finding the time or the desire to even crack it open. If you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you've had people encourage you to study the Bible. You might have had days, weeks, months, or even years of success, but you also know what it is like to struggle in prioritizing the discipline of reading the scriptures. You might read them due to joy, or maybe curiosity, it could be guilt, maybe obligation, or even pressure. There are plenty of motivators out there. But I think if Bible reading is really that important, you would see why it's that important somewhere along the way. If you truly treasure the opportunity to comprehend God's character and thoughts, your pace and desire would quicken to the discipline. Let me show you how this works. If you have been reading the Bible lately, can you think about what you read? Go ahead, just think about it. I I can wait. What has impacted you? Where did you find it? Here's my realization regarding many people's dilemma. If you find the time to read, you rarely remember what you read. Why is that? Well, surely if you read your Bible in the morning, you should be able to remember what you read just a few hours later. But oftentimes, we cannot regurgitate information just a few hours removed. I've even started a conversation with people about reading the Bible and then unsure of the content of what I read. In an attempt to encourage or maybe impress someone with my current discipline, I inform them of my time in the Word. And they might ask something simple like this, well, what did you read today? And when I struggle to think about what it is, and it's just hours late, they're saying, what did you read? And I'm thinking, ah, ah, I know it had something to do with God. I'm unable to give them a simple answer. The problem is this. We settled for reading the pages of the Bible instead of meditating on the truths of the Bible. And the difference has paramount implications. You can maintain your attention to Bible reading, but if you don't find a way to increase your retention of Bible reading, you will stall out eventually. If you've ever wanted to increase in your knowledge and love for the Word, you have to learn how to meditate on the Scriptures. I get to serve as a pastor. I love teaching God's Word. It is an exhilarating joy for me. For this year, I've been preaching through the Gospel of Mark verse by verse. I have loved watching light bulbs like turn on for folks as they are seeing the Scripture come alive. While we were still in Mark 1, I preached a sermon on when Jesus cleansed the leopard. I wasn't expecting this passage to come so alive to me. Whether or not anyone else was moved by the passage, the Holy Spirit had done work on me in just the preparation. As I pointed out details in the passage and tried to explain all that I had learned, I could tell that our folks were seeing it as well. 
So, so here's the situation. This leper is supposed to be on the outskirts of town, and they're supposed to stay away from society and stay away from people, and especially stay away from the temple where the presence of God was supposed to reside. And yet, when this leper hears that Jesus is near, he breaks all the rules. He comes into town, into the middle of the crowd, to the holy man, and comes and says, I'm wanting to be cleansed. And what Jesus does is miraculous. He grabs the guy by the hand. He touches him. And then it says he's cleansed. Now, just picture this. If, if it was me, right, and, and regardless of how much of a germaphobe you are or how much you're carrying uh, germex and packing baby wipes on you all the time, like here's the deal. If someone comes up to you with leprosy and you have the ability to heal them, here's the progression I would think most of us would go through. If you had the authority to say it, but just your words, you would say, son, be healed. And then once you realized he was healed, you would reach out your hand and you would grab him. Not Jesus. The word is very clear. Jesus reaches out. He touches him. He identifies with him. Probably the first touch that this fellow has felt in years. Jesus grabs him by the hand and says, I am willing. Be healed. And then at that moment, he's healed. And the crowd just go completely bananas. Everybody's running up, getting in such there. And other people are wanting to press into Jesus. And what you see happens there is so remarkable. It's just a little tiny detail at the end of Mark chapter 1. It says, and the crowds got so big that Jesus had to go on the outskirts of the town. Now, Mark doesn't tell you the implications of it. He's making us work for it. Because if you think about it this way, if you've ever read the Bible, you know that if you touch someone with leprosy, now you're ceremonially unclean. This guy is clean. He's in the middle of the crowd. Everybody's obsessing about him. And yet the, the crowd is so huge that Jesus has to leave the city to be able to find just even some breathing room. So do you catch that? At the beginning of the story, the lepers on the outskirts of town. At the beginning of the story, Jesus is in the middle of the town. But by the end of the story, the lepers in the middle of the town, Jesus is on the outskirts. At the end of the story, the man with leprosy is clean, and Jesus is now ceremonially unclean. Jesus took the leper spot. He took it spot on the outside of town. He took his leprosy, and eventually he's actually going to go to the cross for men and women like this leper. And do you see what's happening there? Mark isn't just telling you all these things and saying, by the way, here's the three points of what this means. He's giving you that clue, and, and he's showing you, um, wanting you to work for this truth. Now, as I pointed that out in the sermon, what happened next revealed so much to me. Because after the service that day, a dear friend approached me to encourage me regarding the sermon. She informed me, thank you for today's sermon. There's only one problem with it. I would have never gotten all that you shared from just reading the passage. My response to her was simple. Well, I wouldn't have gotten all that either if I had just simply read the passage. I had read the passage numerous times. I dove into cross-references. I researched the implications regarding the details that Mark included in his account. I prayed that God would open my eyes to see what he was teaching. In short, I meditated on the passage instead of just reading the passage. When you hear the word meditation, what comes to your mind? You probably envision a Buddhist monk chanting um with his legs crossed and his hands positioned in a certain way. You might understand meditation to be an emptying of your mind. Scriptural meditation is quite the opposite. To meditate on scripture, you don't empty your mind, but you fill it. The definition of meditation is to think deeply or carefully about something. I believe the reason your discipline of studying the Bible might have struggled is that you are reading instead of meditating. 
If I told you that you had a map of a treasure on it would, that would set you up for life, would you do a quick glance or a thorough study? Well, I know what you would do because I would do the same thing. We would both study it so well that we could find out how to access and enjoy the treasure. Nothing would hinder us from doing it. We have been told repeatedly to read the Bible. So we read it, and we read it quickly, and we read it aimlessly. In some ways, we read the Bible like any other book. We skim it really quick, trying to say we covered the page amount we were hoping to finish. In other ways, we read the Bible completely different than any other book. We take lines out of it, disregarding its placement within the whole framework. What other book could you imagine opening up to a random page, selecting a single sentence from the middle of the page, and assuming you understand the gist of the entire book? You wouldn't. That's a ridiculous way to read a book, and yet we do that exact thing with God's book. See, God commands meditation more often than reading. If I asked you to find a place in Scripture where God commands you to read the Bible, could you find it? Even if you know your Bible well, you will struggle to find those verses. You know why? Because they aren't there often. God commands meditating on Scripture more often than reading Scripture. It makes sense at some level, right? Because before the printing press, most people didn't have access to written documents. So even if they did, not everyone was literate and able to read it if they wanted to read it on their own. Yet we know that God expected them to know the truth. Well, how did they do that? They meditated on it. They memorized it. They told it to one another, which increased retention drastically. So let's just think about reading for a second. Does the Bible command to read? Well, kind of. Let me give you two examples. One is found in Romans 15.4. It says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. So get this. Paul mentions that the scriptures that he had access to at the time were written. Okay, so that, that makes a clue that if they're written, that means somebody is reading them. Uh, it implies it should be read, but if you study the verse at a slower pace, which is key for this, right, you will realize that for true instruction to take place, endurance and studying it must prevail. So he says, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Okay, so not just you know retention or just like, okay, I heard it, therefore check, I'm done. It's for instruction. I mean, someone's going to teach me in it. And then it says through endurance. So you're sticking with that word. You're sticking it out. You're not just moving past it really quick. And then through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So it's more than check, I read it or check, I heard it. I'm enduring through studying this and being encouraged by this and being encouraged by it. It only means you've taken enough time to look into it. This, the second place I want to go to about reading the scripture is 1 Timothy 4.13, where Paul says this to Timothy, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So Paul encouraged Pastor Timothy to read the scripture out loud to his congregation. Why would he do that? Well, most likely because they all didn't have a copy of it. But he was devoting himself to reading it, exhorting it, and teaching it. He was helping the people meditate on it for retention. So if everybody there didn't have uh, their their Bible that they brought with them uh, in their purse or carrying in on, on their body, uh, or they didn't have the Uversion app on their smartphone, like what were they to do? A lot of them didn't have access to the scriptures. So Paul was telling Timothy, you're the pastor. You devote yourself to the public reading of scripture because they all don't have it when they go home. And to exhort them, you're sharing how they need to apply this. You're teaching it. And so, yeah, public reading it and, and reading the scriptures in the Bible, but really at a, lay, a level of read it so that you can meditate on it. So you can meditate on it so you can apply it and you can share it with someone else. 
At the very best, these verses assume reading, but they don't settle for just reading. The reading is leading to meditation. Now, let's look at meditating. In contrast to those verses, look what God's Word says regarding meditating on the Scriptures. I'll give you a few. Uh, number one, Joshua 1.8. Let me read it to you. Uh, and just give you context, Moses has just died. Joshua is just taking up the mantle of leadership. Talk about, I mean, massive shoes to fill, right? And this is what God tells Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It doesn't say depart from your bedside or doesn't depart from your shelf in your house. Uh, it says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. And how often does he say? Day and night. So, so thinking carefully, studying carefully, slowing down. I'm wanting it not to leave your mouth. You're going to meditate on it more than five minutes in the morning, more than 15 minutes once a week. You meditate on it day and night. Well, you and I would both say, well, I can't walk around with a Bible right there in front of my face all the time. And he's saying, exactly. So when you're reading it, you want to get to the place where you can meditate on that truth so that when the Bible is not um, available to you in, in print form, it's still accessible in your mind. Um, it says, so you meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. So here's the deal. He's saying you meditate on the scriptures after you've read them to do what? To apply it, to do it. And everything you, you read in it, you're finding, how can I apply this? That you're meditating. What can I do with this word? And then you're going to make your way prosperous and you have good success. Look next at Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Did you catch that? See, I'm thinking I'm supposed to study the Bible, but it, that verse isn't implying that the Bible is actually studying me. It's discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Well, you can't do that by a quick drive-by reading of a text. You have to read it and process it and think, okay, now how is the Lord studying me? Uh, number three, Psalm 119, verse 18. Look what it says. It says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. The psalmist does not say, Keep me disciplined so I can get through three chapters a day and get my one-year Bible reading plan done. Like, no, it says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Sometimes I have to read scriptures, uh, past, um, chapters of scripture before I have something that goes, oh, wow, man, this is what I need to do with today. And sometimes I don't get to the first phrase without the Spirit just, I mean, just literally um, just arresting me and grabbing me and saying, this is for you today. And, and so we're praying, saying, God, open my eyes. I want to meditate on these truths. Number four, John 15, 7 says this. Jesus said it this way to a group of disciples. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So he says, when you pray, here's what you want to do. You're abiding with me. Well, you want to dwell with me all the time. What does that look like? Well, it starts with that his words are abiding in us. Well, how can that happen? I can't just learn this by osmosis. I can't just say, well, I read it a couple minutes and therefore I've got it. You're meditating on the truths and then they're dwelling in you. So that when you open your mouth, when you pray, when you live, you are doing what, what God would ask of you to do. Uh, number five, Psalm 119, 10 through 11 says it this way. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So that's just not with part of my heart I seek you. That's my whole heart. And I'm not wanting to wander from your commandments. Even if I have to wander from the physical copy of God's word, I don't want to wander, um, move away, stray from your commandments. How do you do that? You're meditating on it. Verse 11 says, I store it up in my heart. 
What's the purpose? So I don't sin. I want the word of God in me so that I don't sin. Number six, 2 Timothy 2, 7. Paul says it this way. Think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. He doesn't say, read this letter and you get it. He says, think over it. You want to chew on it. You want to meditate on it. And then the Lord gives you understanding in everything. Seventh place, Psalm 1, 2. Oh, this one's so good, right? He says, uh, for the man who's blessed, uh, he's not walking in the counsel of the wicked, nor standing in the way of the sinners, nor sitting in the seat of scoffers. And then verse 2 says it this way, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Oh, what a great verse, right? It's just saying this, that if you really want to walk with the Lord, if you want to be that tree that's firmly planted and not shaken by every storm, you have to be someone who meditates on the word day and night. Well, you have a job. I have a job. We have family. We have responsibilities. Obviously, we can't be studying the word of God all day and all night. We'd be fired. We, we wouldn't be able to eat. We wouldn't be able to do anything, right? That's not it. It's, it's reading in such a way that you're actually meditating on the scripture so that when you close the Bible, the Bible's not closed inside of you. So let me give you a few quick steps on maybe how you can implement this. How do you meditate on scripture? Number one, you need to commit to a reading plan. Um, don't read the Bible haphazardly where you just open up a page here one day and do another place the next. The Bible is written as a book. Read it as a book. Find a good reading plan that you're going to go through. And let me just tell you something. If you have yet to read through an entire book of the Bible, don't try to read through the entire Bible. Pick some manageable like portions, some smaller books to start with and get from the beginning to the end and slowly work your way there. I think a lot of people get discouraged because they're trying to read the Bible. They start in Genesis and they get bogged down in Leviticus and they just quit altogether. Start developing those muscles by starting in some easier places. Maybe an epistle that Paul wrote like Philippians or maybe a gospel that's, that's kind of right to the point like Mark. Whatever it is, um, start slow there but commit to a reading plan. Number two, Create enough time for meditation margin. So, so don't just say, I'm just going to read this and be in and out, and I can do this in five minutes. You're going to get out of it as much as you put into it. You need to be able to create some margin for reading and right now and meditating it. And right now, if you feel like you don't have it, then, then I would just encourage, get up 15 minutes earlier. Stop watching just a bunch of worthless stuff at night that keeps you up at night and gets you uh, behind schedule all day in the morning. Like Find enough time, get some margin, um, say no to some things, turn off the distractions. And, and let me just tell you, if you are reading the Bible on your phone, which is a great option for a lot of people, but if notifications are popping up all the time, I don't see how in the world you can focus and meditate on what God is saying if you're also listening to what Twitter and Snapchat and everything else is telling you. So create enough time for meditation margin. you got to remove those distractions. Number three, pray for God's insight into the text. Simple thing, but I mean, I'm not talking a long prayer, but just before, as you open up the pages of scripture, say, God, I want to hear from you today. Like, speak to me. Open up my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Number four, remember that less may be more. And this is a challenging thing for me to say for you because I do think that over time you want to read the entire counsel of God, like Acts 20 27 says, right? That you want to know the entire scriptures. But sometimes people have such a grand, um, a section of scripture they're wanting to get through that they really don't study and meditate on anything. And so if you're trying to get through so many chapters that you're really not chewing on it and you can't remember later, it may be because you're trying to read too much. Uh, you need to read enough to stretch you a little bit, but you also need to make sure that you're reading less is more, that you're getting through and understanding what you're reading versus just getting through the pages. Um, number five, here's something I want to encourage you to do. Summarize what you read. 
Um, this is so important for you to do. But if you have read a chapter of scripture or a paragraph or three chapters before you leave, in one phrase, in one sentence, can you summarize what you just read? If you need to, write it down in your hand. Write it down on a note card. Put it in your phone. Take it with you throughout the day so that you're meditating on the truths of God's word. A few days ago, I was reading in Judge chapter 5, and, and I read this passage, and just over and over and over, I thought about this beautiful truth. It was a worship song based on that God's leaders led in a godly way. And I just thought, and so that phrase, just as a leader and as a pastor, I just kept you know, reminding myself all day long, it's a cause for worship when God's leaders lead. It's a cause for worship when God's leaders lead. And so all day long, I'm just meditating on that truth and going, Lord, if, if I can lead in the way that you call me to lead, like it's a cause for worship. It would cause people to worship you. And so I want to do that. So summarize what you read. Um, number six, seek a way to apply the truth. Find a way that very day. How do I apply this? Is there something I need to change? Is there something I need to start? Is there something I need to stop? What is a way that I can apply that truth? Number seven, share with someone regarding what you've learned. Best way of retention, find somebody and share it. You can do it through a text message. You can do it through a phone conversation. You can do it face-to-face. -face. You can do it over coffee. You can do it over social media. But take what you've learned, share it in some kind of way, and it helps with retention so, so very much. So why is meditation so important? Here, here we go. Because we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. That's what 1 Timothy 4, 7 says. We aren't like Jesus enough, and we need to slow down long enough for him to work on us. Remember that we desire transformation over information. If you skim passages, you might increase your information, but it would be just like cramming for a test that you forget the material hours later, right? So, But if you meditate on passages, you will increase your holiness as you allow the Word to study you as you study the Word. What's more important, that I know what God says about marriage or that I do what God says about marriage? Of course, we would say it is better to be a biblical husband rather than just knowing the biblical reference, but I can't apply what I don't know. I can't make it up on my own. I have to study it, but I need to study it well enough to be able to apply it. If you've been struggling to prioritize the Bible lately, maybe it is because you have settled for reading instead of meditating. Take some time this week, slow down, hear God speak. Don't settle for an average life. I hope I see you on the second mile.